All right, well, good morning. Got the, uh, got the crew over there at the Watson's place. Good to see you guys. Got a bunch of people away on school holidays. So our house is folded in with the Anderson's crew. Leela's home with Ella and a bit of snottiness. Greg and Lise, we, uh, you know, see you uh, got your daylight savings change over. So you, you know, probably up to your ears in some kind of mid-afternoon something. But anyway, good to see everybody. Good to see everybody this morning. And yeah, James has kicked us off in here just kind of sinking in with the enormity of the Ephesians chapter four topic this morning, just kind of looking at this idea of oneness and maturity and a lifestyle that we're called to. And, you know, I think sort of in, in the, in the process of looking at the book of Ephesians, we sort of talked about Ephesians chapter one, two, and three being about what God has done. And now it sort of turns this corner and it goes, now here's the lifestyle that we're invited into. So the rest of Ephesians is really, is really all talking about what are we meant to do with what God's done? What is, what is, what is the lifestyle that's meant to come from it? How is it meant to look? What are the things that are most important? And, uh, I don't know, like Paul just dives deep into this picture. And I think sometimes we can steer clear of some of like the, the call to the bigger outcomes of our faith. Like if God did this, then these things should be present. And, and I think this morning, uh, diving into this idea of oneness of the spirit or, you know, even, even, even some of the other pieces in this, these are big topics that you know, require us to be receiving from God that which he has done and accomplished on our behalf. Because if we pick this up and we go, okay, this is, this is mine to do. We're going to, you know, take this righteousness and accomplish it. We're going to take this maturing life. We're going to make it happen. It's just like, I, I need the power of God to come and meet me in the place that I am and change the reality that I'm existing in, that the things in which he intended for the life of those who are full of his spirit will look like. And so I think we got to bear that in mind as we sort of starting to the second half of, of Ephesians 4, like into 4, 5, and 6 over the, the weeks that are to come. Um, because this is a life that is produced by an intimacy with God. Because intimacy with God produces something. And if I take my relationship with him out of the picture, and I try and live the lifestyle that that relationship is intended to produce, I'm going to fail. In fact, the bar is just going to seem way too high. It's going to seem impossible. And we're going to take these scriptures and we're going to go, well, that was put there to just make sure that I knew that I wasn't there yet. Right. And, uh, and we're not there yet. You know, let's acknowledge that. But we are those who are receiving Christ. And in receiving Christ, we want to see the life of Christ lived out among us. And, uh, you know, for me, Ephesians chapter four in this first half, um, there's, there's kind of some life concepts and verses in this for me that feel like promises of God for us, if, uh, if I'm being real, or, or things, in fact, that he's, he's promised to me personally some time ago. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting into the discussions this morning. And yeah, we've had a big week, if I'm being honest. Like, it feels like, I don't know, I don't know how your week has gone. We all have different ones, but Leela and I have been talking a lot about it. We just feel really vulnerable at the moment. It just feels like we're just getting pushed and pulled and... It's like, you know, you get your feet underneath you and we, we catch ourselves and then we just get bowled over again. This feels like one thing after another, after another, after another. It's, uh, yeah, we, we feel like we're, we're hanging in and hanging on. But, you know, we said yesterday, like, you know, it never fails that when seasons of breakthrough and seasons of victory are coming, it gets noisier. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to say that for myself today. And just, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I'm glad Leela's listening in and just believe you're gonna sink in with the good things that we're here for. But yeah, we need we need uh family. You know, that's that's the truth of our reality. Like I think, you know, the uh ability to navigate the things of God on your own, it was just never meant to be. You know, and I think uh we are those who um need the steadying presence of a group of people who are committed to a faith-filled walk that uh, normalize the, the push and the pull and the difficulty and we find ourselves strengthened together. And ultimately it's gonna be ours. 
to walk out. But uh, God, I find myself, you know, probably coming here more needy this morning uh, than, than I found myself in the last. Wow. I think, I think that's a good place to, to start. Like, let's, let's, let's jump into a worship song. I'm just going to pray. And, uh, and then we're going to have to worship the cake and some of the good things that were happening for you in Canada. Looking forward to hearing about that. But let me pray, let me pray and then let's kick into a worship song. Yeah, Father, we just thank you that there's no moment that we find ourselves in that you're not uh, present and concerned about and seeing and knowing. We thank you that you're leading us to paths of life that are full of purpose and meaning to you. And we ask that these lives that we live would glorify you, that we could take our eyes off of ourselves, off of the things that we want or desire, off of the significance that we would hope for. And Father, that, that we could see that there is an invitation among us to, to put our eyes onto you, that this existence that we have would serve you. We pray this morning that would be the case. And would you come bring scripture to life for us this morning as we, as we look to you? We thank you that the life that you've planted within us produces this that there's a fountain of living water that flows today that causes us to be fruitful in season and out. And so would you come and bring fruit in this moment that we find ourselves in. As we worship this morning and reach for your spirit among us, we ask, Holy Spirit, you just come and meet us. That you just come and saturate each one of these homes that you pour out your spirit upon us, that we would be refreshed and renewed in this fountain of living water again. We thank you, Father. And we just... We come to worship you, meet you in these moments. We pray in your name. Amen. Now what, a, what a great reminder of you know, all this is for you. You know, It's like, I think, I think we invert that song sometimes when we start singing, you know, all this is for me, you know. God, you, you come, love me, come accomplish this for me. <laughs> It's <laughs> all happening. Mm. Well, Kate, yeah, yeah. it's good to have you back. Good to be back. Thank you for coming back. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So took off to Canada. Went and spent a couple months doing camps in Ontario. It's uh, you know, I think it's only fair that Canada should receive some of the goodness, since so many of the Canadians have come here. Maybe, or maybe we just need to send a few of them back. Who would? Maybe we, maybe it's like a vote someone off the island program. No hands up for the pick me. <laughs> well, anyway, tell us about your time. Tell us tell us a bit about you know where you were, what you were doing, and then kind of what God was doing in your time there. Yeah. So I was for those of you who don't know, I was in Canada for like just under three months, and I was working on summer camps over there at Madiba, where Ali has worked. Um. So that was really cool. It's like just in the middle of Ontario. Um, yeah, I was talking to Curtis before and I was just saying how I was, I feel like so much has happened. So I thought I'd just share about like three of my key words. Yeah. So that's provision, trust and joy. Um, I think starting with provision, I, in the lead up to going to Canada, I was not, like I didn't save for this trip. Like I didn't, I wasn't really prepared. It kind of just happened. Um, and I think my like prayer the whole time before I got there, even while I was there as well, I was just like, God, if this is, if this is what you want for me, like, I'm not really prepared for this, but if this is what you want, then make it happen. Hmm. Um, and I'm really confident that that was him, like all the way he just did make it happen. And like, um, yeah, it just really wasn't financially prepared for the trip. And then there were a few things that needed to come together, um, just with like work and then. Um, getting uni off and just like a few things that I needed to arrange for this trip and it was kind of I sort of decided to do it kind of close to like I think it was like three weeks before I left that I booked my flight um, and so yeah there were just like a bunch of things that had to come together and I just feel like God really provided like and it wasn't I really liked that it wasn't just like this huge sum of just like $10,000. Here you go. Like, this is going to get you all the way through. It was like, I have received exactly what I needed when I needed it. Um, and that was really cool. Cause I feel like it was just like a trust building exercise, like the whole time. Um, 
And so I also hadn't traveled by myself before and hadn't been away from home for more than a week. And I was kind of, I was feeling a bit nervous about it, but I also had this kind of like deep sense of peace that God was behind this and then he, that he was with me the whole time. And I just remembered like something that really stuck with me was um, what you said, Ben, you were praying for me before I left and you were like, I pray that Kate would just be bold. And there were a few other people that said, like I was on the phone to this, um, travel insurance guy the night before I left and my travel I hadn't booked my travel insurance and like I didn't really know what I was doing and the guy was like to me don't even worry about it Kate like you're gonna have the best time these things just come together and he was like just be bold go and do it and I was like wow and I just had this real sense of like just confidence going into the trip um, and then I think that just really allowed me to just like I just I think it was really cool because when I like was flying to, so I had three flights. My first flight was from Melbourne to Sydney and then Sydney to LA. And I arrived for my international flight in Sydney. I arrived like an hour and a half before it left and there were heaps of delays. So I thought I was going to be late for the flight. And I saw that my friend was also flying out that day. And I was like, oh, like, where are you going? What's happening? Anyway, I was just messaging her and we found out that we were on the same flight. So not only was she able to tell me that, the flight was actually running late as well. So I was fine. Um, but she was actually sitting next to me on my flight too. this girl that I used to work with. And so this is like a 16 hour flight. I was like, I don't know who I'm going to end up next to, like, don't really know what it's going to be like. And then it was just so comforting to just have her there. And that was just really nice. And then the whole way through, like I had all these, like, like the main goal was to go to Canada, work on the camps and, you know, do whatever I was going to do. But I also had these little mini um, goals. Like I wanted to go to Santa Monica and I wanted to go to New York and do all these little things. And I feel like I actually got to do all of those things, which was awesome. And I feel like God just provided and he went above and beyond. So like Canada was amazing, but like he just, he really said, yeah, go and go to Santa Monica, go to New York as well. Like go and do these things. And like, it was chaotic at times, but it was just amazing that he just really like, knew what was going to bring me joy and just I feel like he was just so generous and that was just amazing um and yeah like as far as the camps go they were really good but also really challenging at times um I hadn't worked with kids before that and had like virtually like no experience um in that field going there and kind of just went for it but Wait, um, yeah <laughs> I mean I babysat when I was like 12 but that was that was it for me so um going there I was very unsure about how that was going to go and like that was really challenging like it was challenging learning the ropes and like how to manage eight kids in a cabin and stuff like that and like yeah, there were really hard times where I was like, it's just like, I'm really frustrated right now. And like my patience is being tested, but I really found that, yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, God just really provided peace for me as well. So there was like the financial provision and like just provision in terms of like company, like having um, the people around me, like the girl on my flight and then all these amazing people at camp, but also just, he just brought me like the peace where I needed it. And like, it was kind of like this overarching, like kind of like big picture piece in a way. Cause like, I was like stressed in the little moments and I had a lot of like anxious moments getting to Canada, being in Canada and then on the way home as well. But like, I just felt that it was going to be okay. And I knew that God was in it. So that was just really nice. Um, yeah. And then I think in terms of joy that, uh, the, actually the theme for our camp, the theme for our staff team for the summer was choose joy. And at first I didn't really think much of it, but then I started to sort of look into joy and like do a bit of research on joy and just like think about it more. And like, I really relied on that. I think like choosing joy and like, not as like a, just like in the moment it's like these kids are really frustrating me. They're being like really like rude or like really, annoying or whatever like I it wasn't just like oh yeah I'm just going to be happy anyway it was more like a it was a preemptive decision like a proactive response to situations and that was a really cool thing because like I yeah there were a lot of stressful situations but then 
I had this kind of like, okay, God's in this with me. I think this is all going to like, this is testing my patience. This is growing me. Um, and I'm going to be better for it. Like the kids are going to be better for it. Everyone's going to like grow from this experience. And so I think I also like to combine like the trust piece and the joy piece. I feel like I did have a good idea going into camp of how it was going to be. And it wasn't exactly that, but it was actually better in a lot of ways. And like, mm. I really learned that God knows what brings me joy more than I know what brings me joy. And like, he knows me better than I know myself. And then um, being able to just like practice trusting him and going, okay, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm going to leave it with you. Like that was just so fruitful because mm. I feel like he just really like catered to what like what was going to bring me joy and like not that it was just all about me or anything like that but like that was just an amazing part of it like I just felt a lot of joy in the experience um and yeah just like I, th I think like I just really got to know God a lot better in that time because I think when you're when you are being tested and when you are kind of in that environment like I was kind of on the other side of the world didn't really know what was going on like there were a lot of uncertainties but I just felt like God really showed me his character and mm. I was able actually like on I was I found it really hard to go from like being my own person here and then going over there being around kids 24 7 and around people all the time because like I do find that I need like a bit of downtime in my week to just like recharge and I didn't really have a lot of that there which was actually really good for me because I think it um stretched me a lot which was good but I had little moments and I feel like God provided rest in different ways than I had experienced before so like I would go for little walks on my breaks and just be in prayer with God and it was just really cool getting to know him like I feel like I really built a stronger friendship with God um and that was just really nice mm. Yeah, mm. I mean, that's kind of like a jumbled, like, so cool. yeah. those are my thoughts. I'm still sort of reflecting on what's happened. But yeah, I think, yeah, I just really saw who God was and he just went above and beyond and just mm. provided as I needed it. And that's really cool. I just feel like he's really shown me I can really trust in him. So, yeah. I think one of the things that sticks out for me in what you're sharing, Kate, is, you know, God's place in the story of this time, um, you know, you, you're really giving him his place in that, you know, like, uh, you know, you went to Santa Monica, you went to New York, you had what you needed, you know, um, you know, you, you could live this story and not acknowledge God in it, you know, but really there, uh, there's such an acknowledgement of God's presence in your life, in your story, in your journey, in this experience. And I think that's, uh, I think that's a really powerful, um, telling of a life season you know I think there's lots of people in your position in life who would go and do camps or who would go and travel who would go and have a great time or have challenging experiences and got just you know might the story might just get told a bit differently but you know you you're building a life that's giving God glory for the place that he has and for the role that you want him to play in your story and I think that's a really powerful uh I think that's a really powerful platform from which you're beginning to to live out your story it's like god's with me in this and mm -hmm. you, you know even even your telling of you know growing in your friendship and getting to know his character and who he is like you know you're you're looking for him in your story and you're encountering him and mm -hmm. i think that's a really powerful thing and yeah yes. we're so glad to have you back that's so for sure and, uh, uh, just on what you're saying now, like i think it's really cool like i think learning to acknowledge God in those moments was kind of like a plan A for me. Cause like some of, sometimes I can come up with these really crazy ideas. Like the way we got to New York was so chaotic. Like we, it was like a week before we were supposed to leave and we didn't have accommodation or like a trip that I booked. But I was like, I was telling my friend that I went with, I was like, Oh, like we're going to do it. It's fine. I feel confident about this. And then it was actually just crazy. Cause like she messaged her distant cousin who she hadn't seen in six years and was like, he, he lives in New Jersey. And he, 
she was like to him, oh, hey, Ben, like, do you know any good places to, like, to visit in New York? And then he just calls her and goes, hey, um, if you're coming to New York, you can come stay with me. Like, you'll get free accommodation. Like, I'm happy to cook for you guys or whatever. Wow. And, like, it was just, it was just crazy. Wow. And then we managed to book a bus there. So we basically got a lift to Toronto, then a lift to Niagara Falls, and then walked across the border got a nine-hour bus to new york and like the way back was even more chaotic because it was just me and i'm so disorganized but anyway oh it was, it was definitely exhausting but like i think it was just really cool because i yeah i just learned that god was really fun like he's, it was just fun and then like I think also just like relying on him as a plan A, like it was a crazy plan, but I was like, God's in it. So it's going to be fine. And like, it wasn't without its challenges and like not everything went right, but it's just, I just really feel like going forward, that's kind of set me up to just like trust God more with yeah. my bigger plans as well. So yeah. I think it's really going to be a time where I look back on and like, I feel like it's solidified a lot of things in my faith. So yeah, it's just, just going to be cool. a cool time to reflect on when I'm going through future challenges. Yeah, what a yeah. gift. What a gift. Well, thanks for sharing, Kate. Yeah, yeah we'll listening. look forward to the next chapters. And it sounds like we're going to see you out at Golden Valleys a bit, which we're mm. excited about. So really yeah, about amazing. Well, let's jump into, let's jump into Ephesians chapter four. We're going to break. Well, we're going to do Ephesians chapter four, the first half this week, the second half in two weeks time. And so we'll break this first half into to two chunks. So let, let me read this first bit just as we sort of jump in here. So if you want to have it in front of you, that might help. It's Ephesians chapter four, verse one through six. I'm going to read it in the amplified version. Um, yeah, let's just let's just take a minute and just uh, work, work our way through this passage and uh, Take some time in our rooms to share some thoughts on it. So, yeah. <clears throat> so it starts off Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 6. So I, the so I, the prisoner for the Lord, appeal to you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That is to live a life that exhibits godly character, moral courage, personal integrity, and mature behavior. A life that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation. With all humility, forsaking self-righteousness and gentleness, maintaining self-control, with patience, bearing with one another in unselfish love, make every effort to keep the oneness of the spirit in the bond of peace, each individual working together to make the whole successful. There's one body of believers and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when called to salvation, one Lord, one faith one baptism, one God and father of us all who is sovereign over all and working through all and living in all. I mean, it sort of feels like we could just let these words just kind of like breeze past us and sound like a bunch of to-dos or have-tos or, you know, but I, I think we've got to slow this down and find ourselves in this, in this verse that we've been called to a life that, that, we want to, that we want to live a life worthy of, that there's something that we're called and purposed for that, that brings worth to our, to our daily life, to the things we do, to the way we live. You know, and he's characterizing that here, godly character, moral courage, personal integrity, mature behavior, gratitude to God, living humbly, living with gentleness, maintaining self-control, having patience and bearing with one another in unselfish love. I mean, honestly, like you put that as a tick box and you start to push your life through that filter and go, how are we going with this? You know, it's like, well, what's your, what, what's our report card on living this life worthy of our calling? It's like, well, I don't know. I don't know. You know, on a week to week basis, you might get a great score, might get a not so great score. You know, where we are uh, practicing our patience and our gentleness here this morning, you know, in a noisy room with lots going on, you know, it's like, okay, how am I going? Do I want to reach out and, you know, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> you know or or yes anyway but it goes on it goes on in this passage to start to talk about make every effort to keep the oneness of the spirit in the bond of peace you know i mean it's a it's kind of this phrase and he goes on to talk about 
why we have an opportunity for oneness of a spirit. There's one body of believers. And you, and you know that that's not just us, right? You know, the body of believers to which we identify, that's, that's every person who calls himself by the name of Christ. You know, and I guess one of the troubling things in this is, uh, you know, when Jesus, Jesus in his time, he, he came and the people who he was harshest with were the Pharisees. You know, the religious leaders of the day who called themselves by his name, but carried nothing of who he was, right? And so when we think about that, oneness can be a bit of a struggle. When we talk about oneness of the spirit, you know, it's not mine to judge who is or who isn't or what is or what isn't, but there's plenty that's going on in the Christian faith that has nothing to do with Jesus. You know, we, we, we know that's true. And maybe even in, in our own perceptions of who he is or what this life is. And when I start to view oneness of the spirit through a lens of being in sync with that, which actually has very little to do with him, my picture of it is going to fail. Uh, you know, but, but across the board, across all the faith expressions, uh, across all the denominations, across all the, 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 the countries and the expressions of this, there's one body of believers. You know, this is whom we're called to be one with. I mean, we can struggle to imagine, you know, you know, one of the places that oneness is introduced is in marriage. Okay. All right. You know, let's be real. How many people who are married got into marriage to practice self-sacrifice? No. it's God's purpose for it, but it's not really why we got into it. You got into it to get whatever you wanted from it. I want companionship. I want someone to serve me. I want things to feel good. I want someone to add joy to my life. I want someone to, you know, maybe Ben wanted someone to cook him dinner and wash his clothes. I'm not really too sure. But it's like, you know, you know, the idea of oneness, we can come at it very selfishly. And oneness was never meant to be something selfish. You know, when oneness of the spirit is what we're experiencing, we come to the spirit and we've received already. The fullness of the life of Christ is dwelling within us and we've been met by the presence of God, by the love of the father, by the fullness of who he is and oneness flows from that. It's, it's these things that sit above this, an unselfish love, a life of gratitude to God for what he's done. Well, when we take Jesus out of the picture, we haven't even received what he's done yet. You know, when we make faith into a religion, a lifestyle, something we have to do, it has very little to do with the power of God coming and accomplishing within us that which leads to oneness. I think it's an important thing to recognize in this, that this is a oneness of the spirit. But I really love that Paul says, keep the oneness of the spirit. Maybe we imagine that we've never had it, never experienced it, but his expectation straight out of the gate is that this would be something familiar to us. That if you know the spirit and the spirit has occupied your life, you're going to know it now, protect it. And it's like, I think we need to go looking for this. Where have we experienced oneness? Where have we experienced the spirit of God? Because we can turn this into a relational oneness. Okay, relational oneness is that person in the world who just gets you, who you just, uh, we love to do the same things and we have so much fun and we enjoy the same things. We drink the same drinks, we play the same sports, we follow the same teams, we do the same hobbies, we love the same vacations. That's oneness, that's relational oneness, that's natural oneness. You prefer what I prefer and so it's so much fun to be with you. You talk the way I like to talk, you interest me with the things you advantage me with in conversation. That's relational oneness, it's not really what we're looking for here. What we're talking about here is something that the spirit of God comes and makes us one because there's one Lord, one God, one baptism, one faith, one father overall. And you know what? If we imagine that we don't really want to be in this with the people around us, how are you going to cope with eternity? <laughs> Do you think that God has an island for you in heaven to be isolated by yourself? Or do you see yourself in the choir of those at the feet of Jesus singing glory, 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 glory? Because that's a communal reality. But it's not because I prefer what you prefer. It's not because I see everything the way you see it. It's because the spirit has come and accomplished something within me. And I'm quickened to you. Wow. Have you ever been in the presence of someone who, is, who has got the same spirit that's occupied you? Maybe, maybe we're yet to fully experience that reality ourselves. And maybe it starts there. Spirit of God, come and consume me. Come and consume me. Come and consume this life. Would you come and fill me? And then what does that draw together among us? When oneness of the spirit becomes our reality, then it becomes something we must protect, 
keep, be, be, make every effort to keep oneness of the spirit in the bond of peace, each individual working together to make the whole successful. I think sometimes we live like each individual needs to work to make me successful. You know, you know, I'm, I, I want companionship, so you should invite me around so that I have a good time. That's not really what we're talking about here. We're talking about an unselfish love that wells up within and sees the whole being the goal and sees my life caught up in something bigger than me. Anyway, that's enough on that. Let's, let's jump in and have some conversations about this idea of living a life worthy of our calling, finding the things of God alive within us. And then what about this idea of keeping the oneness of the spirit? What, where have we experienced that? What has that felt like? What, is that, what has that been like? Where have we experienced a oneness of the spirit? That's something that we would desire to keep and make effort to protect. Yeah, let's, let's take some time in our rooms just to talk about what sticks out to us here, but kind of zeroing in on that idea of oneness of the spirit. Cool. All right, well, I'll interrupt you guys. Yeah, we had some... It's some great chats in here around this idea of, uh, yeah, finding ourselves attuned to his spirit and finding ourselves one with God and then therefore uh, one with those who are one with him. And I think, I think that is a, a powerful idea that um, requires a desire and a positioning of my own life to be one with his spirit. And I think, you know, that's a, uh, it's, it's a call and a purpose to which, you know, my life is aspirationally uh, desiring, you know, and I can feel the difference. I don't know. I don't know about you, but like when I find myself one with his spirit in sync with his spirit, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's like that song. Yeah, I think we were talking about this even last Sunday, but it changes what you see and what you seek you know and I, I think that's just the truth like coming into oneness with his spirit changes what i see and what i see yeah. yeah all right well moving on to the second half which is so tied into this you know like you know separating things out is both helpful and unhelpful um but let's 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 read ephesians chapter four uh i, I wrote on here seven to eleven but it's definitely not i think it's seven to Six longer. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh. It's seven to definitely yeah. 16. Oh, definitely 16. 16. 16. Yeah. All right. Well, let's read it. We're going to, I'll read it out of Amplified. Ephesians 4, uh, verse 7 to 16. God's yet grace, God's undeserved favor was given to each one of us, not indiscriminately. Indiscriminately means like randomly or or uh, without purpose or without, without intentionality. Um, yeah, God's grace, God's undeserved favor was given to each one of us, not indiscriminately, not without consideration, but in different ways, in proportion to the measure of Christ's rich and abundant gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he bestowed gifts on men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also previously descended from the heights of heaven into the lower parts of earth? He who descended is the very same as he who has ascended high above all the heavens, that he, his presence, might fill all things. That is the whole universe. And his gifts to the church were varied, and he himself appointed some as apostles, special messengers and representatives, some as prophets who speak a new message from God to the people, some as evangelists who spread the good news of salvation, and some as pastors and teachers to shepherd and guide and instruct. And he did this to fully equip and perfect the saints, God's people, for works of service, to build up the body of Christ, the church, until we all reach oneness in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, growing spiritually to become a mature believer, reaching to the measure a fullness of Christ, manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity. So that, we are, so that we are no longer children, spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine, 
by the cunning and, tri and trickery of unscrupulous men, by the deceitful scheming of people ready to do anything for personal profit, but speaking the truth in love in all things, both our speech and our lives, expressing his truth, let us grow up in all things into him, following his example, who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, the church in all its various parts, joined and knitted firmly together by what every joint supplies, when each part is working properly, causes the body to grow and mature, building itself up in unselfish love. I mean, when we take this passage and, and reflect on it on the back of this idea of being one with his spirit makes me one with those who are one with his spirit. This is, this is, the, this is what occurs when my pursuit of life is oneness with the spirit of God, that which is one with him, I become joined to, you know, and it's like, I think we spend a lot of time trying to join ourselves to a vision or join ourselves to a leader or join ourselves to a, an idea or, or even join ourselves to those who see things the way I see them or share my preferences or share my likes or share my, uh, you know, we like to spend time with people who like the same restaurants as us. This is different to that. This is that the spirit of Christ is producing within me a desire and also he has bestowed upon my life both a gift and a purpose. And in that, when that becomes joined to that which is joined to him, the fullness of Christ dwells on earth because the believers have been joined together in his spirit. I mean, this is such a powerful idea. But within here is, is introduced this idea of maturing. You know, he talks about these, these five gifts, which we know uh, there's, a lot of things that have been discussed around, you know, a fivefold ministry and the importance of uh, each of these things being present within the church. And the church is introduced here. Its, it's, it's purpose is to bring uh, followers of Christ through to maturity, that, that those who have come to follow Christ would mature spiritually, would find their place of oneness with his spirit, and that they would be joined together that the good works of Jesus Christ would be done by the body of Christ, the presence of Christ on earth. But the purpose of this gathering is that we would come to maturity. It's a, it's a, it's a challenging idea that, that God gave these gifts to equip God's people to build up the body of Christ until we reach oneness in the faith. And it's like, that's the goal. That, you know, and I think, I think it's not necessarily what we focus on. You know, what's the point of church? What are we here for? Is it, I don't know, to, to uh, punch our holy time card that when I reach the, the end of my days, I would get to heaven and my attendance record would be adequate that I might enter heaven. I mean, if we're being honest, for people who have grown up in church, it's a duty. It's a duty. It's a responsibility. It's a part of life that must happen. Well, that's not really what this is saying. This is saying that, that people were meant to come together because there's gifts that we find here that help bring us to maturity. That actually God's gifted things to his body that help assist us in maturing in, into a spiritual place of maturity for the point of oneness. And, and he starts this whole thing off by saying that God's given gifts to each one, that, that this would... Uh, with purpose, have a diversity and a, and a breadth in expression, but that all these pieces would come together and in them coming together, uh, that there would be something there never could be otherwise. But I don't, I don't know, like we know these things, right? We know these things, but are, are we those who are increasingly taking hold of a coming together that a group of gifts might express themselves and build something up into Christ that it might come to pass. You know, I think putting this onto this idea of maturity, you know, that there is a, a goal that we would be maturing spiritually. I mean, what is that even? What does that look like? How does that play out? What is what does spiritual maturity look like in your life? Where, where have you positioned yourself that spiritual things are maturing? You know, who are the relationships that God's given you? Because this is what it's talking about, that God's given people 
for the purpose of helping mature us. It's like, well, where are the sources in our life that actually we see when I put myself in proximity in this place, I am maturing or where the things that I encounter, you know, and, and, and maturity can be a painful process. I mean, I think about it, I think about it, you know, right here in the idea of kids, you know, it's like we, maturing is an increase in expectation. You know, that, that's a part of what comes in maturity. And where are the places where something is being expected of me that feels too much or seems too much? Where are the people who see in us that which we were made for that seems just out of reach? Maybe that I don't feel good enough for. Maybe that I don't feel adequate for. You know, the gifts that we have need to come to a place of maturity. And there is a, a reaching for that and expressing of that. And I think, you know, what does it look like to be a... a a gathering of people who are seeing spiritual maturity emerging, seeing an increased reliance on God. And I believe we are. I see that present here in the midst of what we're a part of. But yeah, I mean, look, there's, there's a lot in this passage that isn't necessarily leading the, the directions that I am. So, you, you, you know, you can take this where you want in your rooms this morning. Um, but, you know, in, in the second half of this is this idea of coming to a place of maturity where the body of Christ is coming together, where spiritual maturity is occurring among us because we've gathered together. And that the very point of the church is that we would come to a place of maturity. Uh, yeah, let's take some time. Let's reflect on this scripture. Let's um, you know, some questions there that, that talk about this idea. Where, where in my life is maturity a goal? Where is spiritual maturity a goal in my existence? And what helps me achieve and attain that goal? And where does church fit into the mix of that? I think some of those are some things I'd love to reflect on this morning. So. All right, we're going to come back together. We're going to worship and we're going to, we're going to pray some of these things out as we come back together. But um, yeah, let's take some time to chat about it. We'll, uh, no, these, these are some big ideas. And um, you know, for me personally, uh, the first time I encountered the first half of Ephesians chapter four in a significant way where he talks about um, you know, really a theme through this is that we would be one with Christ and therefore one with those to whom he has joined us. And that being joined together would in and of itself be bringing about a maturity. I think sometimes we have put it on individuals as their responsibility. You know, like Mel, go away and grow in your faith and give yourself to your personal devotional life or Greg, you know, get get into get into your own existence and uh and, and grow but this was always meant to be a communal faith and you know when i think about the things that helped me grow you know i have people in my life who see both what i am and what i'm not and and that's a gift when 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 the parts of me that are yet to come to maturity are by are seen by someone who loves me who's joined to christ and joined to me um, you know, now I have a resource that's going to help bring about maturity in my life. And, and, you know, we each carry different, uh, strengths, you know, like sometimes, sometimes, you know, like I, I'm so grateful to walk a road with Leela because she has a, a, a strength and a giftedness in areas that I don't, you know, for, for Leela, there's this real strong confidence in, in what she uh, receives from God, like she doesn't question it, she doesn't doubt it, she'll hold to it, she's bold in it, and she's confident in it, you know, and for Leela, that's her prophetic wiring and gifting, and that's an asset to me, uh, you know, and, and to come to rely on that isn't a weakness, um, I'm strong because I get to walk so closely with someone who's so gifted, uh, you know, there's, there's other uh, spaces and places and avenues where where God joins us together and gives us um, uh, pieces that help foster an increase. You know, and when we see maturity not as our own isolated responsibility, you know, then the parts of me that are yet to come to maturity come here without fear of being exposed, but with opportunity to be met by maturing resource. And not so that I can become everything on my own, but so that I can mature to the place where I can come to confidently rely on that which I'm joined to. Because let's be honest, a part of the insecurity that we operate with keeps us far from that which we require and need. 
Kian Kate, as you so well put earlier, we live in a world where this is a swimming upstream idea because we live in a world that has uh, made a God of independence, self-reliant independence, you know, that that would be the place of strength that we would rise to. Well, you are not here to use that which is around you to become a force and a source unto yourself. You're here to mature to the place where you come to see that you need a group of passionate followers of Christ to live out the faith to which you're called. We do not achieve or receive or uh, engage this in isolation. And where in our lives are those who are fully joined to Christ and therefore in a pursuit, uh, and, and yes, uh, uh, an incomplete pursuit. And we're not looking for the most mature person on the world and going, well, let's join ourselves to them so that we can leech off of them. Well, they're only going to have one piece of the puzzle anyway. I am not the source of life. You know, Mel is not the source of life. Ben is not the source of life. It's like Jesus Christ is. And we, in being joined to him, are brought to maturity, but we also contribute to each other's maturity in that process. And that's the gift of life that we're being brought to is that we would continue to receive and attain that which Christ has intended for us until we experience together the fullness of Christ. You don't get to experience the fullness of Christ on your own. We together experience the fullness of Christ, the facets of who he is and the, and the expression of the gifts that he's poured out onto the earth. And they come together as we join our lives to each other. And that has so little to do with a worship service or a gathering or a place or a space. No, that's just meant to be bringing us to a maturity that expresses a life of Christ lived out on earth. And, and you know, I think for me, in, in the, as, I, as I started out, and I've gone into a diatribe, but the first part of Ephesians, you know, says, uh, keep the oneness of the spirit. You know, I feel like when I first read this, you know, one God, one Baptist, I'm like, Jesus, you're talking about the church here. You have never been to my church. If, if this is the goal of the church, if this is what you're asking of us, you, you're barking up the wrong tree. Because if I'm going to be one with this crew of people, this, and, 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 and this was years ago. So, and he said to me, Brad, it's one day you will experience a place of, of one heart, one mind, one spirit. You know, I feel like, wow, that is, I was kind of like bowled over by that statement. This is not the first time I've said it, but, you know, it's like, I don't think that's a short road. You know, and the heart that he desires that we would have is the heart of the Father. The mind that he desires that we would have is the mind of Christ. And the spirit that he desires that we would live by is his Holy Spirit. And he's just displacing us. You know, he's coming to overtake and consume our lives and grow among us that which would see his heart and his mind and his spirit occupying us. And you know what? There's a whole bunch of stuff that's in the way of that. But this life, the gift that we've been given in this life is that we could be overtaken and overcome. And then communally and collectively, if we will pursue that, I mean, it is an extraordinary thing when one person pursues it, right? When you see the life of one person who goes that God's heart, mind, and spirit would consume me, one person, that's a, that's a miracle on earth. Mm -hmm but that a group of people would set about that their purpose would be that God's heart and mind and spirit would be theirs, that I would live with his heart. I would live by his mind. I would live by his spirit. That's a process of overtaking a whole bunch of stuff that stands in the way of it. But when we as a family would say, that's our desire, what would we see? What would come about? Yeah. And it's, it's like across the face of the earth, it's the call of God that we would let go of our lives that we would take up his heart, his mind, his spirit. And, you know, I see a group of people uh, here who, who are risking for that. You know, Ben, I look at your life. You know, you quit a great job that paid well, that provided a good home and a good life for your family. I'm triggering you already. And you stepped into God to go, well, what would your heart be? What would your heart for my life be? What would your mind towards me be? And what would your spirit lead my life towards? I see a man who's maturing. I see a man who's reacting and responding differently to the challenges that the world presents him. And yes, it, is it a perfect picture? Have we got, you know, are we putting Ben on the, the pedestal and saying, Here, here's the mature one? No, but you're, you're one who's, who's maturing. But tell me, are you growing in the things of Christ? Is he stronger in your life today than he was a year ago? And is your hope that he will be next year? Exactly. You know, and you've positioned yourself in your life to take up on board more of him. And it's like, yeah, you might be positioned to lose money this year and gain Jesus. Well, that's going to be worth it. That's going to be worth it. 
anyway, I'm not, I'm not picking on you, but it's like there, there are a group of people who are gathering to say, would we take faith? Would we trust him? Would we give him our lives? And would we see what he could form, not just for me and not just in me, but for us and in us. And I think it's, it's a complicated thing to find ourselves both on a personal and communal journey, but I think it's the only way this faith gets accomplished. And I think those bits can be too hard and too muddled and we can end up setting them aside because they seem unreachable and unachievable. But what if a group of people would set about to mature together? Maybe we would just. What if that was the main thing? What if the main purpose of church became not to come and just be inspired or just to get filled up or just to be charged up or just to be uh, whatever, entertained you? What if our goal became that my life would be joined together with those who are maturing together in Christ and that I would both contribute and receive? You know, what an opportunity. And I think for, for us as a family of people who are seeking God, this Ephesians chapter four sits at the center of the call and purpose of God on what we've given ourselves to. And I find myself encouraged by it and inspired by it. And you know what? Sometimes we can look at this maturing road and go, is it really happening? Is, it, is, it, is there even anything of value in this? I just want to encourage our family today and say, stay the path because something good is forming in the people of God who would set aside all else to say, God, we want your heart. We want your mind. We want your spirit. And I believe we're receiving it. I believe we're receiving it.